to Dear Reader, a book talk show featuring chatty librarians bringing you reading recommendations and a whole lot of book loving. I'm Justine Hanna, here with my fellow librarian and bibliophile, Natalie Mason, and we're coming to you from Melbourne Library Service. We're planning the 2017 season of Dear Reader right now, and we'd love your input. Fill in our quick survey and tell us what you love and want to hear more of. Head to www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au, click the Read link on the left-hand side of the page, and click Dear Reader. You'll be able to get straight to the survey from there until it closes at the end of 2016. We look forward to reading your thoughts. So, Natalie, you're here. Yay. Hurrah. Hurrah. What would it be without one of us? It would not be real. It wouldn't be proper. It just couldn't happen. Let's never do it. I agree. Okay. Packed made. Um, Today. Oh, yes. Tell us. It's a special day. Is it? Yes, because today we're talking about books we read and loved in 2016. Oh, thank goodness. What a year of books. What a year in general, but what a year of books. What a year of reading. <laughs> and debuts. What a year of, like, being alone on the couch. With a book and a cup of tea. You're never alone, Natalie. I know you've got cats. Well, yeah, I mean, I just, (laughs) everybody knows that though. That's yes, no indeed. surprise. Um, okay, so today on the show we're going to be talking about books we read and loved this year. Some books were published in 2016, some books were debuts, some books were super old, but we only read them this year and it's never too late to discover a great book. Um, we promise we read all of these books this year. Um, some books we both loved, some we were a little not sure about and we've got heaps of new favourites to talk heaps. about as well. Heaps indeed. So before we get started, once more, we want to remind you that we'd love to hear what you've been reading. So please tweet us at melblibrary, that's at M-E-L-B-L-I-B-R-A-R-Y, with the hashtag Dear Reader. And you can download Dear Reader episodes at SoundCloud or iTunes by searching for Melbourne Library Service and subscribing. And all the books we mention, and I mean every single book we mentioned today, uh, (laughs) will be listed in our show notes. They'll be up on our Goodreads page, which you can find on our website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au and on the read page. So we're going to structure the show a little differently. We're going to start by talking about the books that we both adored, books that we just loved. And you know what? There's probably so many more than this, but we've we've whittled it down because we have a lot to get through today All right. to our, what would you say, top three? This section has three <laughs> or four maybe that we books we loved. Three and a half. <laughs> books we both loved or did we? Or did we? Or why, don't you did get, we? why don't you get started, Natalie? All right. Um, so we're starting with potentially one of each of our favourites. Definitely one of our favourites. Our Magic Hour by Jennifer Down. Mm. Um, set in Melbourne, Audrey, Katie and Adam are high school friends and when they reach their early 20s, Katie passes away rather suddenly. And this book is about grief and loss and sadness. It's about that fog that descends when you can no longer make sense of the choices that other people make in their lives. When you're young and you've got so much life ahead of you and you have absolutely no idea how to live through it. This book is sad and some parts feel drawn out and long, but that is what grief is. Mm, and we've talked about it before. I think uh, any regular listeners will know how much we loved the characters in this book and how we felt about the description of Melbourne and how that was kind of like its own character. Mm. I just loved it and I loved the the look at the ways grief affects us in our friendships. It's just a beautiful book and uh, definitely agree it's one of the best of 2016. Do you generally like sad books? No, not generally. Um, and, and to be honest, yes, this was sad, but I didn't feel like it lacked in hope. Hmm. So I hmm. don't know. It, it didn't, didn't, like for me, it didn't leave me feeling sad at the end. Oh, yeah, it destroyed my heart, this book. Yeah, but um, that was in the middle. But I love it. <laughs> I, I love it for that. I love sad books. Mm. I just 
love being sad when I'm reading. I don't know why. I don't mind sad books when I can feel hopeful at the end Hmm. and that there is a light at the end of that tunnel. (laughs) All right. That was our Magic Hour by Jennifer Down. What's our second joint Best of 2016 book? Everywhere I Look by Helen Garner. Oh, yes. So this is an essay collection. It spans 15 years uh, and it takes us from backstage at the ballet to the trial of a woman uh, for the murder of her newborn baby. It moves effortlessly from the significance of moving house to the simple pleasures of rereading Pride and Prejudice. It is Helen Garner at her finest. She's a master. Her observations are keen. She writes with a real openness and she's just a pleasure to read. Oh, to be honest, I think I've said this before, I can take a, take or leave her fiction, but her nonfiction is amazing. I love the way we view the world through her eyes in this collection. Um, the searing clarity of her writing, the lighthearted musings, just the, the sheer loveliness that she shows us. It's my favourite of any of her works, actually. Tough call, but you made it. I did. You just did. (laughs) Next. Ah, well, that was Everywhere I Look by Helen Garner. Sorry. (laughs) There's so much. There's so much. Um, Well, the next joint pick I think that we both think is the most amazing of 2016 is Homegoing by Yagyasi. I'm probably saying that wrong. I would say you're saying that Correct. Okay, great. Um, So Homegoing follows seven generations, 14 perspectives in total. It all begins with two half-sisters, Effia and Essie, who will never know each other. One's experiences lead her and her family to slavery in America and the other's family find themselves mostly in Ghana. Each chapter is from the perspective of a new character, first Effia and Essie, and then six of their descendants as the story tracks the cultural changes in both Ghana and America through colonialism, racism and attitudes to slavery. Through the characters, we experience life during the tribal wars of the 1700s, the horrors of the transatlantic slave trade, the ways in which prominent leaders in Ghana aided British and American slavers, and the fear created by the Fugitive Slave Act, and just much, much, much more. It's a ridiculous debut novel. Uh, It's so amazing, and I cannot believe how much stuff has been packed into this one novel. What a setup, though. Just, like, what a uh, premise for a book. It's so complicated, it shouldn't work. Mm-hmm. But it does. Mm-hmm. It shines. It's effortless. I found the family tree in the front of the book really helpful to see where I was up to, where I was going and how everyone fit together. And everyone does fit together. There's no odd character. I mean, you, you know, you're talking seven generations in the one family, each chapter from a different person. It should be a mess, but it's this, it's, it's this incredible, cohesive book. The progression through the generations is really clear. It's epic. It's a family saga and it's brilliantly done. And we all know you love a family saga. Yeah, I like sad books and family (laughs) saga books. This fits the bill then. Yes, it ticks all of the boxes. (laughs) Every last one. Um, I I don't know if you're going to agree with me on this one, but I just popped it on the list. Eligible by Curtis Sittenfeld. Pretend you like it for a second. Eligible is a modern retelling of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. This book brought me unbridled joy. Not so much for Justine. (laughs) Uh, It was in stark contrast to the sad books that I really love reading. (laughs) I loved it. I adored it. There was a family saga in there. Every moment I spent reading this book was a pleasure. I wished it would never end. I don't often read books that are like, super madly upbeat Um, but there was something about maybe it was the timing that I read this book or the fact that Sittenfeld has brought Jane Austen screaming into the 21st century and made it funny and and still retained the the charm of that like 
crazy family. Whereas I, I found no charm. I did not enjoy this book. And I think I was probably kinder than I wanted to be last time we spoke about it. And I'm not going to be kind right now because uh, did not like it. Disagree. Not my best of 2016. Did you write uh, on your review? <laughs> and how do you even spell that? Hmm, I'll have to think about that Okay, one. yep. All right, go <laughs> All for right. it. I think it's time we hear from uh, you about some new books. I guess books I haven't spoken about yet. Yes. There's a couple of those. Let me whiz through them. Okay. Um, but, you know, pay them the respect they deserve, of, of course. course. Always. Um, a book that I absolutely loved this year, recommended to me by my sister, who's never wrong about good books. Um, it's called Imagine Me Gone by Adam Hazlitt. Uh, I've never read anything so clearly written about depression and mental illness. It's fiction. Um, in this book, there are people who suffer and people who provide support, and they're all in the one sort of tight-knit family of five people. This book illustrates how much of a struggle it is for everyone, whether you suffer or whether you support. It's almost an impossible task. Um, this book is harrowing at times. There's death. There's repeated heartbreak. And I finished the final chapter of this book sitting in the middle of Federation Square waiting to go to a writers' festival event in August. I was waiting for some friends to meet me, and I finished this book and put it down and was sitting there in a flood of tears when all of my friends kind of arrived at the same time while I was sitting there sobbing. So <laughs> it was a really fun moment in my life. Um, but my friends are lovely. Uh, I still feel as though I'm grieving some of these characters. I still think back to um, you know this family, these people, and. You know, this is for, this is a book for when you're feeling strong uh, and are ready to have your heart destroyed by brilliant literature. I c- can't recommend it highly enough. It really was one of the best books, not just this year, though, but maybe always. Um, that was Imagine Me Gone by Adam Hazlitt. Uh, the Paper House by Anna Spargo Ryan. Um, this is another heartbreaking story. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's set just outside of Melbourne in coastal Victoria. A young p- couple are setting up their new home as they're expecting their first baby and suddenly that dream is over. This book tells the story of a woman sinking into the depths of her own grief and the desperate efforts of those around her to bring her up for air. There's a touch of magic in her madness as she kind of really tests the corners of her sanity. There's a real kindness also in her anger when she lashes out in her in the midst of her grief. It's a heartbreaker, but this one is really rewarding, really rewarding, and a local author too. So well, um, well done on that one, The Paper House, Anna Spargo Ryan. Still in my mind, that book. I can still picture certain scenes of it as it played out in my head. This one's an oldie but a goodie, mm-hmm. uh, The Monkey's Mask by Dorothy Porter. Mm. I read my first Dorothy Porter poems and, I guess, novel this year. Lovely. Um, this is a, it's a crime thriller fiction but written in poetry. Um, it was published in 1994. It's part lesbian erotic fiction, it's part whodunit, it's part love story and it's part thriller. It's engaging, page-turning, super-fast read and I devoured it in 30 minutes on a tram. I just read it from start to finish and then I felt like I hadn't done it justice. So I read it again and more slowly this time and I really kind of lingered over her phrasing. Dorothy Porter's amazing. So amazing. I'm, you know, I I have come to her work late, but it's never too late. Better late than never. Better late than never. And one final brilliant book that I read this year, um, 
uh, The Small Backs of Children by Lydia Yaknovich. What a great title. It's, yeah, look, I discovered Lydia when I was travelling. I always try and buy a book by a local author in every big city that I visit, even small cities, but oh. I try, yeah, I try and do that. And this was one, um, I was recommended her uh, memoir um, and I read that and felt, deeply in love, and then I read two of her fiction books in quick succession afterwards, and this is her book that was released this year, The Small Backs of Children. I'll give you a brief synopsis. Um, in war-torn, in a war-torn village in Eastern Europe, an American photographer captures ha- a heart-stopping image. She takes one photograph. It's a young girl who's sort of flying towards the camera lens as she flees a fiery explosion that has decimated her home, her family. Um, the image wins acclaim, many prizes, becomes a an icon of this particular kind of war-torn country. Um, the photo is also a subject of obsession for the, f- the for the best friend of the photographer, who's a writer, um, and she's gone through a devastating tragedy of her own, and is sort of coming to terms with that. And this photo is sort of iconic for of for many reasons. Um, as that writer plunges into a suicidal depression, her filmmaker husband enlists several of their friends, including a fearless bisexual poet and an ingenious performance artist, to save her by rescuing this unknown girl from the photograph and bringing her to the United States. They think if they can find this girl, they can rescue this writer from her depression. My goodness. Mm-hmm. Lydia Yaknovich, the author, is a genius. She is a treasure. Her books are always immersive. They're always powerful and they leave a real mark on you. Um, it is a book to savour and I think it's a book to reread. I would highly recommend it. I spent a, a lovely weekend with this book. As sad as it is, as sad as all the books, except eligible that I've talked <laughs> about so far, are um, The Small Backs of Children by Lydia Yaknovich. I think that they are the best books that I haven't talked about yet on Dear Reader. Wow. Yeah. What's on your list of the best books you haven't talked about yet? Oh, these, this is a little, bit, a little bit of a longer list, but my... Uh Next list after this one will be a lot shorter than yours, so that's okay. We even each other out. Okay, so we're the fir- a good team, Justine. <laughs> oh, high five! Um, that's awkward <laughs> with the microphones, but we'll, we'll let's edit in a high five later. <laughs> Woo! <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> okay. So the first book I want to mention uh, that I think it was just a fabulous 2016 read is Girls on Fire by Robin Wasserman. So this tells the story of Hannah and Lacey and their obsessive teenage female friendship, so passionately violent it bloodies the very sunset its protagonist insists on riding into together at any cost. Opening with a uh, trigger warning, opening with a suicide whose aftermath brings good girl Hannah together with the town's bad girl Lacey, the two bring their combined wills to bear on the community in which they live. But Lacey has a secret about life before Hannah, and it's a secret that will change everything. This book has stayed with me for a long time, actually. I read it a while ago, earlier this year. It is white hot. I did not expect the ending Mm. that I got, and I have recommended it to certain people. So it's it's quite... um, it's an interesting book and it's a bit different and it has a, a wee bit of violence to it, but it's actually just fabulously written. Would you recommend it to me? I like sad books and family sagas. It's not a sad book and it's not a family saga. All right. It's an angry book Ooh. and it's a passionate book Ooh. and it's about young women growing yeah, okay. up. Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> awesome. So that was Girls on Fire by Robin Wasserman. My uh, next pick is called Sleeping Giants by Nouvelle Sylvain. A young girl is riding her new bike near her home in Deadwood, South Dakota, when she falls through the earth. She wakes up at the bottom of a square hole, its walls glowing with intricate carvings. But the firemen who come 
to save her, peer down upon something even stranger, a little girl in the palm of a giant metal hand. Ooh. 17 years later, the mystery of the bizarre artefact remains unsolved. Its origins, architects and purpose unknown. Its carbon dating defies belief. Military reports are redacted. Theories are floated, then rejected. But some can never stop searching for answers. I absolutely loved this story, although it is quite a strange story. And I finished it without feeling like it was finished and yet still thoroughly enjoying it. It was completely amazing the way that the writer has ended without ending it and I still think about it and that's why I'm putting it up there as one of the best of 2016. Wow. So that was Sleeping Giants by Nouvelle Sylvain. Next is Fight Like a Girl by Clementine Ford. It's an essential manifesto for feminists new, old and soon to be uh, and exposes just how unequal the world continues to be for women. Crucially, it's a call to arms for all women to rediscover the fury that has been suppressed by a society that still considers feminism a threat. This book made me angry and agitated. That is how good it is. <laughs> it made me want to agitate for change, for equal rights for all, not just women. This should be required reading in all high schools around the land. It is not just a book for women, but for all people. I feel like we need to strap our menfolk and our unhearing womenfolk into a chair and read it aloud to them so that they may begin to understand what the rest of us have been growing up with. For me, this is probably the best non-fiction book I have read this year. It actually affected me viscerally. It made me hot with anger and and I wanted to cry tears of frustration and then it made me want to go and talk to people and actually, and I have been talking to people and I've been maybe a little bit pushy about it, but this book makes you want to do that and makes you realise you have to do that. And I thoroughly loved it and Clementine Ford is a wonderful writer and I think everyone should read it. Fight like a girl, Clementine Ford. <laughs> that That's on my summer reading pile. Oh, I so cannot good. wait to read that. Mm -hmm. We can get together and be angry together. Sure. Right. It'll be so much fun. Sure. <laughs> can we be happy angry? Oh, it's totally happy angry. Okay, good. Yeah, it's it's wonderful to feel that anger. We suppress it and we shouldn't. We should be angry and it's okay to be angry. Yeah. She says that in a lot. Unapologetic. It. Exactly. <laughs> um, next I have Music and Freedom by Zoe Morrison. Oh yeah, this is on the pile too. Yeah. Now we haven't actually talked about it but one of our guests did talk about yes. it. Chris Gordon from Readings when That's she was right. on and then it went on to win the Readings Prize for New Australian Fiction. So well done Zoe Morrison. Um, the book's uh, about a lady named Alice Murray who has a gift for playing the piano. She sent to a boarding school in England and offered a scholarship to the Royal College of Music in London. And on a summer school in Oxford, she meets Edward, an economics professor who sweeps her off her feet. But she soon finds out that Edward is damaged and she is trapped. She clings to her playing and to her dream of becoming a concert pianist until disaster strikes. Increasingly isolated as the years unravel, eventually Alice can't find it in herself to carry on. However, then she hears the most beautiful music from the walls of her house. This novel's love story is that of a woman who must embrace her life again if she is to survive. It's inspiring. It's compelling. It explores fairly dark terrain of violence, but also the transformative powers of music and love. And it's just a really beautiful read. So that was Music and Freedom by Zoe Morrison. I'm got more. <laughs> more, more. Tell us more. All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie Jane Anders. Oh, I love this book. Um, it's about two childhood friends, Patricia and Lawrence, who uh, parted ways under mysterious circumstances during high school. Um, they're both adults now. They're living in the hipster mecca San Francisco and the planet is falling apart around them. Lawrence is an engineering genius who's working with a group that aims to avert catastrophic breakdown through technological intervention into the changing global climate. And Patricia is a graduate of a hidden academy for the world's magically gifted and works with a small band of other magicians to secretly repair the world's ever-growing ailments. 
This is a deeply magical, darkly funny examination of life, love, and the apocalypse. I loved this book. It was really different. It melded different genres. It did it seamlessly as well. It was so, so well put together. I love the concept of putting a witch and a mad scientist together in the same story. It was fun as well as thought-provoking. So that was All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie Jane Anders. Now, <laughs> I'm going on a bit of a fantasy bit at the moment, I think. Um, Three Dark Crowns by Kendare Blake. Oh, so good. If you liked the Queen of the Teeling series by Erica Johansson or the His Fair Assassin series by Robin Lefevers, both of which I thoroughly love, you will like this series. Three Dark Crowns is the first. So in every generation on the island of Fenburn, a set of triplets is born. Three queens, all equal heirs to the crown and each a possessor of a covet coveted magic. Um, Mirabella is a fierce elemental, Catherine is a poisoner, Arsinoe is a naturalist. But becoming the queen crowned isn't solely a matter of royal birth. Each sister has to fight for it. And it's not just a game of win or lose, it's life or death. The night the sisters turn 16, the battle begins, the last queen standing gets the crown. Mm. It is so good. <laughs> I really enjoyed this and I'm so looking forward to the sequels. I absolutely recommend it. It's Three Dark Crowns by Kendare Blake. And then I read a book called Nevernight, which is the first in the Nevernight Chronicles by Jay Kristoff. This is set in a land where three suns almost never set. A fledgling killer joins a school of assassins seeking vengeance against the powers who destroyed her family. Mia Corver is our protagonist. She is a very interesting main character, actually, because she's quite dark and uh, she's not necessarily a good person, but we like her anyway. Um, she's apprenticed to the deadliest flock of assassins in the entire Republic, a flock called the Red Church. And if she bests her fellow students in contests of steel, poison and subtle arts, she'll be inducted amongst the blades of the Lady of Blessed Murder and one step closer to the vengeance she desires. Um, it's a really interesting book. I'm really looking forward to the next one. I found the characters to be really appealing in this one because the author has come at it from a point of view that actually life is messy and violence is really quite violent and he's not brushing over it or anything like that. So that was uh, Nevernight by Jay Kristoff. I'm trying to get through these quickly. <laughs> You're doing very well. Oh, gosh. My, my to-read pile is increasing. I only have two more. Okay. Okay. Uh, this was amazing. The Vegetarian by Han Kang. Oh, I love this one too. Oh, we should have put it on our, our together list. Let's make it up as we go. You tell me about it, I'll tell you about it. Okay. So, uh, this book actually won the International Man Booker Prize, which was for the best work translated into English, and boy, was it deserving. Um, before the nightmare, Yong Hee and her husband, I'm probably saying her name wrong too, um, lived an ordinary life. But when splintering, blood-soaked images start haunting her thoughts, Yonghee decides to purge her mind and renounce eating meat. In a country where societal mores are strictly obeyed, this decision to embrace a more plant-like existence is a shocking act of subversion. And as her passive rebellion manifests in ever more extreme and frightening forms, scandal, abuse and estrangement begin to send her spiralling deep into the spaces of her fantasy. In a complete metamorphosis of both mind and body, her now dangerous endeavour will take her impossibly, ecstatically and tragically far from her once-known self. It's disturbing, but yet beautifully composed, told in three different parts, of which none of those voices are Yong Hee's. Uh, it's an allegorical novel about modern-day South Korea, but also a story of obsession and choice and our faltering attempts to understand others. I had no idea, if I didn't know, that it had won the uh, International Man Booker Prize. I would have had no idea it was written in, in another language originally. The translation is oh, really? beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it, it read like 
any, it was not at all, some translated books are just a bit stulted or I don't know, they're just, that doesn't always read right. But this was just beautifully translated and what a fabulous story, like completely weird and wonderful and dark and disturbing, which clearly I like. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> me too. I like this book because I found it quite challenging and there were parts of it that I wasn't sure that I understood. But I felt the whole time that it was no way was it written in English. Oh, really? Not because the translation wasn't clear uh, but because of how, how how specific it was, how cultural it was, how I just thought there's no it's a Korean writer. Oh, I, I, I thought it was a Korean writer for sure. Yeah. And, I mean, and I knew it, was... it had been translated. But I think um, for me the translation, like I, it could have been a Korean writer writing in English. Like it was just the story came through so vividly. And um, and for me I didn't feel like there was – so there were bits that were you could take in different ways and I feel like that you were meant to develop your own ideas as well. And I thought that came through. And I think that was really – that's a really hard thing to do in translation. Yeah, I guess – um, it makes me think of Murakami mm. and it also makes me think of Elena Ferranti. The, the, you know, those books are, I, I've only read the English versions of those, but they, to me they're really obviously not written in English. And, and they don't, I don't think they lose anything in translation, but how would I know because I've never read them in their, you know, in their native languages. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, do we both agree that The Vegetarian by Han Kang is one of the best books of 2016? I would say absolutely. Yay. Yes. <laughs> and this, I promise, is my last book that I haven't <laughs> talked about yet. Um, it's called Your Heart is a Muscle the Size of a Fist by Sunil Yapa. And it's brilliant. Uh, it's set in 1999 and Victor, homeless after a family tragedy, finds himself, pound, himself pounding the streets of Seattle with little meaning or purpose. He's the estranged son of the police chief of the city and today his father is leading the force during one of the largest protests in the history of Western democracy. But in a matter of hours, reality will become a nightmare. This is set during the World Trade Organization protests and it's deeply charged uh, and it's just absolutely... a just a vital and powerful read. Um, I thought it was incredibly absorbing and very much multifaceted. And the voice of Sunil Yappa, I am really excited about. Uh, I think this is a debut novel and it's just fabulous. It's gut-wrenching but hopeful. Hmm. Yeah, so definitely love it. Your Heart is a Muscle the Size of a Fist by Sunil Yappa. It's the best title maybe it's of the year. It's such a great title actually, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that is my new book. <laughs> now, I know I took a while there, but you've got a whole pile of books that you have already talked about and love. I do. And most of these I've reviewed um, on Dear Reader across the year in our other 20 episodes. Mm -hmm. um, so you really don't need me to hear, you don't really need to hear me talk about how much I love them. But these are all five-star books, books that I read this year that, I, that are five stars. The Turner House by Angela Flournoy. The Eye of the Sheep by Sophie Laguna. Co-signed. The Passion by Jeanette Winterson, my first Win Winterson. The Girls by Emma Klein. The Argonauts by Maggie Nelson. I feel like I'm reading out um, nominees or, or something. Uh, that was The uh, the Argonauts by Maggie Nelson. <laughs> Tuesday Nights in 1980 by Molly Prentice. Fates and Furies, Lauren Groff. Also co-signed. Heat and Light by Alan Van Nieuwen. The Pursuit of Love by Nancy Mitford. Oh. oh, I fell in love with that book. And very early this year I read Did You Ever Have a Family by Bill Clegg. Awesome. I, I read so much more, but I for, for today I really wanted to pull out the five-star books, the mm -hmm. books that I still think about and the books that as soon as I finished 
Like I had to like immediately write down how much I loved them. Yes. Those were the books that I chose to talk about today. Well, I only have what's three. On, what's on your sort of uh, br- bringing up the rear five-star list? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not bringing up the rear. They're and just the books I've already are. talked about. <laughs> they're just books I've already talked about this year um, because I've read them a lot earlier in the year. But I just wanted to remind uh, our listeners about them because I think they're absolutely up there with the best of 2016. Mm. So that would be Department of Speculation by Jenny Offham. Oh, I love that too. Really quirky and different, hey? Yes. Interesting. She's a poet, so yeah. her prose is completely And it's completely nice and different. short as well for people that just want a quick, interesting read. Yep. Um, Talking to My Country by Stan Grant. How can we not mention that? Mm-hmm. That still resonates with me. Again, required reading for all Australians. And uh, Reckoning, a memoir by Magda Zubansky. Oh, yeah. I really liked it. I don't think you felt the same. Look, I I wanted to like that book a whole lot. I really did. And I, I still feel the same way about Magda as I did beforehand. And I will read the next book that she writes. Um, but it didn't grab me. Uh, it didn't capture my imagination and it didn't hold my attention the whole way through. Um, and I wonder if partly that's because it's not the book I was expecting her to write. Um, it's a it's it's not the uh, the showbiz memoir, which is not necessarily what I enjoy reading, but it um it's not it's a really personal book. But I also felt like she was keeping me at a distance and just telling me about her dad. And I'm more interested in Magda, and I think that's why it didn't connect with me because I was expecting. Uh, and anticipating something else. Well, it's okay because I disagreed with Eligible, so you can disagree with Reckoning. Okay. That was very <laughs> polite. We're very polite. We, we are rather too polite sometimes. I'm going to put you on the spot unless oh. you have something else. Well, I just wanted to say, to say that I recently visited Canada, yay, and I went to the most wonderful library over there and I spoke to a lovely librarian named Jennifer, the Lillian H. Smith Library in Canada and Jennifer, and uh, happened to ask for a book recommendation and she gave me one. And and it's called Bolshoi Confidential by Simon Morrison. And uh, it's um, speaking from the people's point of view. Um, when Napoleon invaded or Hitler invaded uh, Russia. And uh, basically she said it's full of divas, intrigue, and it's by a Canadian author. So that's Bolshoi Confidential by Simon Morrison. And I just wanted to give a shout out to Jennifer from the Lillian H. Smith Library in Canada. <laughs> I love it. Next we'll be doing love songs and dedication. <laughs> We so should. Can I put you on the spot like (laughs) I promised you I would? Oh, dear. Can you narrow it down to one book of the year? We did not talk about doing this. Uh, This is absolutely off script. Can you, is there any way you can? I don't think I can. Oh, man. Two? Could you do two? Three even? Okay, hang on. How about this? Fight Like a Girl. Yep. And Everywhere I Look are my two, even though I love Stan Grant's talking about my country as well. So those are my top three um, non-fiction. Oh, that was good. (laughs) That was well done. All right. Um, And fiction, I think uh, Our Magic Hour and Music and Freedom. Oh, my God, you did it. Now how am I supposed to do that? Oh, okay. It was really, really hard, though. Okay. And and I want to name all that stuff. You can't. You already did. Um, My best non-fiction for the year... The Argonauts by Maggie Nelson. I did it. There you go. You that's picked one. Best. I picked one. Oh, yeah. That's good. <laughs> you did better than me. <laughs> <laughs> and Best Fiction, I couldn't do one. Impossible. Our Magic Hour by Jennifer Down. Homegoing by Yagyazi. Imagine Me Gone by Adam Hazlitt. 
small bags for children by Lydia Yaknovich. All right, I can see I've, her looking at the list and going, I need to say more. <laughs> I put the piece of paper down. I went with four. That's, you did. That's okay. That's we had five best. each. Okay, yeah, that's five each. Someone's that counting. That was very unscripted, though. <laughs> I liked it, though. I liked it a lot. All right, All right go on. Speaking of scripted. <laughs> Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Natalie and I are planning the 2017 season of Dear Reader and we'd love your input. If you'd like to fill in our quick survey and tell us what you love and want to hear more of, please head to www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au, click the read link on the left-hand side of the page and click on Dear Reader. You'll be able to get straight to the survey from there until it closes at the end of 2016. We so look forward to reading your thoughts. And that's our show. You can read our show notes, including a list of the books we discussed on our Goodreads page, which you can find on our website. Again, that is www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au and on the read page. And we'd also love to know the books that you loved this year. Don't limit it to one. We couldn't. <laughs> Tell us as many as you like. Um, you can tweet us at melblibrary, that's M-E-L-B-L-A-B-R-A-R-Y, with the hashtag Dear Reader, or join in our conversations on Goodreads. Don't forget, you can download Dear read episodes at iTunes or SoundCloud by searching for Melbourne Library Service. And if you like what you're hearing on Dear Reader, we'd love you to leave a review for us on iTunes. It helps others find out about us and it gives us the nice, warm, fuzzy glows, which we love. Uh, the groovy music on our program is by Ben Mason. Check out more of his music at www.benmason.com.au. And until next year, Dear Reader, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.